Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Dwayne. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called Encourage, Disciple, and Challenge the People of God. Uh, today is March the 13th, and we have been doing a topical study uh, that kind of originated as a result of a message that I did a few weeks ago down at a church in Travelers Rest, South Carolina, and I was unable to finish it, <laughs> so uh, I told him I'd finish it uh, online. So today is going to be session four, and um, the title of the message is The Breath of God, and um, let me pull up our notes here, uh, what we have done so far. Um, we're using Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing um, even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So uh, the premise of the message is that the Word of God is central to the whole of the Christian faith. Um, matter of fact, the entirety of our faith really rests upon uh, the Bible. And to adequately understand that, on the secondary level, I used to preach a teach course called uh, Bible Doctrines, and part of Bible Doctrines is Bibliology, uh, which is study of the Bible, how we got our Bible. Uh, and then, I guess on the seminary level, it's part of a, of a study called Systematic Theology. Um, but still, it's Bibliology. It's a study of the Bible, the Word of God, how it came to us. And we've been looking at a few things. Uh, we've been looking at Revelation, uh, which is the disclosing of information that could have not been known otherwise. And when it comes to the Bible, there's two types of revelation. There's general revelation that just comes through nature, conscience, and history. But then there's special revelation, which is when God reveals himself directly in a, in a personal way. And of course, we see this with God coming to Adam and Eve in the garden. We see it with God coming to Abraham with God revealing himself to Moses, uh, that would be special revelation. And, of course, the ultimate uh, result of special revelation is the Word of God, the Bible that we hold in our hands. And, of course, revelation, we have to talk about inspiration. Um, inspiration literally means God breathed. Uh, in other words, that revelation is inspired. It is the breath of God, the Word Respira means to breathe. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So that is inspiration, and we talked about that last time. Then we also talked about that there are different views of inspiration. Um, we live in a culture that loves to redefine terms. Um, for example, to you and me, the word equality means that we're all kind of equal, but it doesn't mean that we're all the same. It doesn't mean that we all are equal, just means that we all have the same opportunities, you know, and I, I really believe in our culture today, we do have the same opportunity. I wasn't born with a spoon in my mouth. Now, there are very few things in this life that anybody gave me. Um, you know, but the term gets defined and now we're into equity, uh, which is different than equality. That, that means we're going to make everybody the same. Um, we're not the same. We were all created differently. We all have different gifts. We all have, we bring different things to the table. 
Men are all created equal for sure, but we're not the same. And to try to make us the same is dangerous. Um, some men are just smarter than others. You know, Some men are meant to run companies and others are meant to work for men that run those companies. <laughs> I mean, as life, uh, you take that away, you're going to end up with a communistic state, which, of course, is where we're headed as a nation if something doesn't drastically change that, that, uh, that direction that we're headed right now. Um, so inspiration is one of those things that has been redefined. Um, and we talked about the various views, but the only view that it really holds any kind of water is what we call plenary verbal inspiration when it comes to the Word of God. And what we mean by plenary verbal inspiration when it comes to the Word of God, plenary just means all. We believe that all of the words, uh, every bit of it, and, of course, verbal means words. We believe all the words are inspired or all the words are God-breathed. That's what we believe in regards to the Bible. And, of course, Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle. And, of course, a, a jot is a letter and a tittle is a stroke. And he was saying that, that all the words are inspired and all of it would be fulfilled ultimately. So we believe in plenary verbal inspiration, and we talked about dictation there. And then today I want to look at some proofs of inspiration, proofs that the, the Bible is indeed inspired. Um, number one is the Bible itself. The Bible claims to be inspired. Uh, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is inspired by God, every bit of it. Uh, that means Genesis through Revelation. It's all God-breathed. Uh, matter of fact, the, the term, thus saith the Lord, is found over 3,800 times in the Bible. Um, so the Bible itself speaks to its own inspiration. And then there's other things that point to its inspiration. For example, its indestructibility. Uh, the indestructibility of the Bible is proof to its inspiration. It, it has survived throughout the centuries in spite of events to the contrary. For example, the Roman Emperor Diocletian made a decree that all Bibles were to be destroyed in 303 AD. Uh, his reasoning was that these Christians are people of the book, so if we destroy the book, then the Christians will cease to exist. Uh, he even went on, went so far as to raise a pillar to his success that said extincto nomine Christianorum, which means the name of the name Christian is extinguished. Um, ironically, only 25 years later, a new Roman emperor ascended to the throne by the name of Constantine. And the first thing that he did was, uh, along with the Pax Romana, which brought about the, the peace, uh, but he commissioned 50 copies of the Bible to be prepared to be prepared at government expense. And, of course, Constantine was a, quote, Christian emperor. Um, he embraced Christianity. Historically, if you study that, uh, it, it probably, uh, it didn't probably, it hurt the church more than it helped it. Of course, the Roman uh, Catholic Church was born out of that, and uh, that's a whole other study for another day, but... Uh, uh, the Roman Church was born out of what happened there, and it became what people would identify as the church. Uh, but 
historically, a lot of Christians did not go along with that, and of course, they became persecuted by the Roman Church. Um, so, Voltaire, the French infidel, once said that 100 years from now, Christianity will be a thing of the past, and the only Bible left on earth will be in a museum. <laughs> of course, Voltaire was a God-hater. He despised the Bible. Uh, of course, the Bible today, look it up, is still the number one bestseller. Um, uh, interesting. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of Isaiah 40 and verse number 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Um, Voltaire, uh, interesting. You know what? what's also interesting as I was looking at that? You know what the number one translation of the Bible is today? The King James it has still maintained uh, supremacy in the translations of Scripture, which is interesting. If, if the vast majority of your people, at pastors, are carrying a King James, why would you want to do something else? I, <laughs> but anyway, that's another day for another dollar. I, I've given that speech before. Um, I just think as a teacher, someone has spent a lot of time in a classroom and dealing with textbooks, I want every student in my classroom to have the same textbook that I'm reading out of. I want them to have the same edition. I want them to have the same print. I want them to, to read exactly what I'm reading. And I think that has bred a lot of confusion in the church today. I cannot tell you how many people come to me or in a Bible study said, well, the preacher said this, but my Bible says this. I, I think we've introduced that, you know, and I don't want to get off into that. I don't, I don't want to get off into the weeds. But I think the devil has used the various translations to bring confusion into the church. Um, you know, I tell any young pastor, pick a translation and stay with it. Make it the translation of the church to be used in, you know, uh, Sunday schools, Bible studies. Everybody's reading out the same thing. I think it, I think it just makes life easier. Now, my preference is the old King James because I that's what most people. If I go in the average church and I was to ask the average congregation, how many of you by translation, what are you carrying? The vast majority of them will say that. Uh, at least churches I run in. So it just makes sense to me that that's what I'd be teaching out of. And again, I'm not. I would not say that I am a King, King James only. Uh, but I think I, I can I can surely say I'm a King James preferred. I, I just really think that it is a superior translation, and I think that it is the best one to use. That doesn't I'm not going to condemn someone that doesn't do that or uses something else. You know I'm not going to do that at all. But I just think everybody needs to be reading out of the same out, out of the same text. It just makes life easier um, for everyone. I think it causes less confusion. Uh, it places the pastor, I guess, if you will, or the teacher, you know, in charge of where he wants to go with it. And I, and I tell young Bible college students and seminary students, really, you need to preach from the Bible and not a translation. Um, if you do your homework, you're going to preach from uh, the Bible or uh, the original, if you will, not the translation. Uh, because you, if you just preach the translation and you're not telling the people that they disagree or whatever, there's there's differences in wording here and things. So I, th I think a good teacher, a good Bible teacher, will teach from the Bible, not 
the translation. That's just my, my two cents. You can do what you want to do with that. I'm not going to give you any change. Um, another proof of inspiration is transmission. Um, transmission is how the Bible got passed down through the centuries to us. Uh, it is how the autographs uh, were copied um, and that is what we call transmission. Um, an example of this is the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1947. Um, it revealed that the copies that we have in our hands today is incredibly accurate when compared to the oldest known copies. Um and I believe the reason this happened is transmission. And, and, and when I speak of transmission, I, I speak of how carefully the copyist made sure that they copied. I mean, if I was to, you know, you, if I was to, you've probably done this before. If I was to tell somebody at the end of a line, you know, Johnny went to the store, he bought a Snickers bar, he tucked it home and he gave it to his mom. And then I tell him, share that with everybody in the line. And he turns and shares it to that person. That person shares it with that person. That per By the time he gets to the end of that, it's probably not going to be the same thing. <laughs> Conversely, if I was to write something down and say, you know, you copy this. And then he copies his and he hands his copy to the next guy. And that guy hands his copy to the next guy. They're not using the original. Uh, they're using the copy of the copy of the copy. So the copyist would make sure that he was copying always from the original, not from a copy of the copy. <laughs> uh, but of course, the originals, we don't have the originals today. So the only thing we can go back to is the oldest copies. Well, when we talk about transmission, we, we and the inspiration of the Bible we look at the steps that the copyist took to ensure the accuracy from the original. Because um, we don't have the original. We can't go back to the original. And that's what was so amazing about the founding of the Dead Sea Scrolls is how accurate the copies are that we have today of the originals, which we don't have today. Um, here's some things that I, I find interesting. This is seen by the fact that they were written on skins from clean animals, and they were sewn together. Uh, in other words, they were able to be preserved for much longer. They were around for a lot, much longer period of time so that more accurate copies of the originals could be made. Um, everyone was to contain a certain number of columns. So when they were copying it, they would set up a certain number of columns and they were not to be shorter than 48 lines and not to be more than 60 lines. And the breadth was not to be more than 30 letters. Why would they do that? Because they wanted to make sure that there was a, a literally a photograph taking place. Um, I, the way I explain it is um, I, like to, I like to use the same study Bible. I, I've always used a Schofield uh, study Bible. And I know in a Schofield study Bible, on the left side, second column, middle, is the verse that I'm looking for. Why? Because my mind has literally memorized the layout of that particular Bible. Now, if I pick up another Bible, 
And that's one of the downfalls of using electronic Bibles, because your mind doesn't take a picture of it. Vice, if you're using a printed copy of the Bible, your mind literally takes a picture of that page. So the copyist would want his in his mind to know exactly what that page is going to look like. He should know up in the top left-hand corner, this is what it should look like. So really, when you're studying the Bible, in my opinion, you're better off using, I know I sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but it's just true. I mean, I pick up, you know, if I pick up one of these, one of these old Bibles behind me, you know, a Schofield, and I, and I fan through it, I know on the page where the verse is because my mind has literally taken a picture of that page. Uh, and the copyist is doing the same thing. He was only to, to write in black ink, which is interesting. In the military, you can only write in black ink. In order for a copy to be considered authentic and worthy to be read in the synagogue, uh, there could not be even one deviation from the original copy. And nothing could have been copied from memory. Um, that's why, like when you're when you go into a website and it says enter your routing number and your bank account, why do they want you to put it in twice? And a lot of times they will not allow you to copy and paste it into the second time because they want you to retype that thing again just to make sure. And when you're retyping it again, you should not retype it from your first thing. You should retype it from the original. <laughs> um, anyway, I just find that interesting. Um, so in order for a copy to be cons considered authentic and read in the synagogue, there could be zero deviations. And when the copyist is copying it, he has to look at every single detail as he's copying it down, even though he's probably got it memorized. Uh, he couldn't do that. He couldn't do it from memory, not even a tittle, they would say. Uh, and remember, a tittle is an appendage on a letter that differentiates it from another. The copyist was required to sit in full Jewish dress throughout the entire process. He was required to wash his whole body and to not begin the name of God with a pen newly dipped in ink just in case it dripped and he was to smear the name of God. So just interesting. And again, when we talk about transmission, uh, how it was copied and how we have what we have today, these are the steps that the copyist would go through to ensure that the copies that we have today are just as close to the original as they possibly could be. Uh, and this procedure continued until the invention of the, of the printing press. And, uh, of course, we know that jo Johann Gutenberg in Germany invented the print printing press in the 15th century. And, of course, the first major work to come off of that printing press was a Bible, uh, the Gutenberg Bible. Uh, which is worth a whole lot of money. There's not that many of them. But anyway, when we speak of transmission, that's what we're talking about. Let's get into fulfilled prophecy, and then I'll have to wrap up for the day. But another uh, proof of the inspiration of the Bible is fulfilled prophecy. The Bible is a book of prophecy. It's the only religious book in the world that has prophecy in it. 
And the purpose of prophecy is to not only establish the authenticity of the prophet, but to establish the, uh, the authenticity uh, of the source of the prophecy. And God takes prophecy seriously. In Deuteronomy 18.30, the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, in other words, he's assuming, he's presuming that I said that and I didn't, uh, which I have not commanded him to speak, or he which speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet will die. Um, and as we look in the Bible, there are at least 456 prophecies in the Bible that refer to the Messiah alone. Um, and of these, there are at least 109 of them that Jesus uh, had to fulfill at his first advent alone such as the virgin birth and his birthplace, that he would be preceded by John the Baptist, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the piercing of his side on the cross, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. So prophecy is also a proof as to the inspiration of the Bible. Uh, next time we get together, we'll talk about scientific accuracy. The Bible is not a book of science, but when the Bible speaks on the subjects of science, it's always right. <laughs> so we'll talk about that next time. And we've got some neat verses that we can look at. So God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. And again, remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.